Today on the show, we're going to talk about red flags and non-negotiables, things to consider while dating. If you are an old person like me, you will likely have grown children you could send this podcast episode to. So don't go anywhere. You are not going to want to miss this. From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. So as I mentioned last week, we're switching gears a bit on the Suzanne Venker Show. I'll still be having guests on monthly, but I have lots of other things I want to address. So you're going to be with yours truly a lot more going forward. I hope everyone's good with that. One of those things I want to discuss is the new book I have coming out in August, but it is available now for pre-order, and you don't want to miss this. It's called How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched, a 12-step program for marriage-minded women. This book is a game changer for any woman who's unhappily single or divorced. It is the detox modern women need to reject the lies they've been fed by our culture when it comes to men and marriage. It's about what you really want versus what you've been told you should want. And it's about what's true of men in marriage versus what you've been told is true. If you're a woman who desperately wants to get married and stay married, or if you have an adult daughter who falls into this category, you will want a copy of this book. Just go to howtogethitched.net and you will see a link to pre-order the book. Again, that's howtogethitched.net. Finally, I just want to remind you guys that I have a YouTube channel now where we upload weekly short videos that are designed to motivate and support you in your journey to a happy marriage and a happy life. So head on over to YouTube, type in my name, and when you see my channel, hit subscribe. That way you'll be notified the moment a new video has been uploaded. And if you've never been to that channel, be prepared that you'll probably be there for a little while because there's a lot of great content already there. And now on with the show. There's not a person on this planet who hasn't made mistakes in love. And there's not one young person who doesn't need good advice and guidance on what to look for in a mate while dating. It used to be common to get this guidance from the older generation, but it is not so commonplace anymore. And that's a huge oversight on the part of parents and mentors. Young people today are hopelessly lost when it comes to building a relationship that lasts. It's true that we can't ensure that young people always get it right, but that's no reason to remain silent. I know for myself that I ignored major red flags when I got married the first time around, and those came back to bite me in the butt down the line. So in this episode, I'm going to dive into those things that both men and women who are dating need to know and watch out for if you want to get married, and more importantly, to stay married. I'm going to address the women first, then the men, and then I'm going to address both sexes together. Okay. So let's start with the ladies. I wish I didn't have to say this first one because up until very re- and up until very recently it was a given and it didn't really need to be stated. But your guy needs to have not just a job but a purpose and a plan. So I had a coaching call last week with a gal who essentially wanted to know what can, what she can do to get her boyfriend to propose to her. Now, meanwhile, she then goes on 
and explains that he's 28 years old, he's still living at home with his mother, and that he can't basically make any decision without checking with his mother first. I don't know how this could not be, I don't know how to make this red flag redder. You know, to me, it's just so obvious. And so I I hear from women a lot about, I mean, we know in this country that we're having a problem with men who have failed to launch. And the only possible response a woman can have to that, a marriage-minded woman, that is, a young woman, is to reject that outright and not even entertain it. So this gal was with this gentleman for over two years already. And I essentially had to help her through understanding that this is not going to get better, that you've effectively come upon a gentleman in a time in his life when he has not grown up. It's that simple. No woman should marry a man who is who has not already found his professional footing and path in life. If you if you go that route, you need to understand that you're essentially um, holding his hand in hopes that he's going to figure it out in time. Some do and some don't. But either which way, you're going to have quite a road that the woman who marries the man who's already found himself isn't going to have. And it will potentially disrupt and even destroy that that relationship and or marriage. So it's not just about having a job, although that's basic number one, do you have a job? But it's also, what are your goals for the future? What is your plan? You want to make sure that that's really in place before you'd ever even consider, in my opinion, going out with them. So I'll just give you a personal example for myself. When my husband, when I met my husband, um, he was on his way and had sort of found his footing. But about five years prior to that, I wasn't living in the same state and I didn't know him from Adam or vice versa. But I heard the story about what happened in his 20s when he he stayed in school, you know, he got a master's, he went into one field, and then he essentially had a career change um, and decided not to continue with that career. So that what happens then is you're going to be, it's going to take some time to find your footing. And I had no problem telling him when I came along several years later, after he had found his footing, that if I had met him four years earlier, I would not have gone out with him. And he did not even flinch at that. He completely understood and agreed. And that's because he and I both had the same exact mission, right? We knew where we were going in terms of what we wanted. And we openly talked about that. And as someone who, for example, knew that I, well, there's a couple things I knew. We'll get into it later. I'll give some examples. But I knew that I, I couldn't entertain being with somebody who was not going to be able to support me for those early years when I planned to be home with my kids. So, and he heard that and he knew that and he wanted that too. So it was a match. But what I'm saying is there's there's just not enough people, uh, women, who are taught to look for that because that's taboo and women are supposed to take care of themselves. So that's, you know, a taboo subject. But of course, if you go that route and you listen to the culture and you're not told that that you need to pay attention to that, you are the only one who's going to get burned. And I don't want that for you. So that's number one. Your guy needs to have not just a job, but a purpose and a plan. Don't marry any guy who, who who's not on his way. Um, and if you do, just be prepared that you're in for a long ride. Um, it will work out for some and it won't for others, but that is not, uh, that that's a red flag all day long.
That's really the main one, actually, for the women. And then there's one more. And I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to focus on these two. Is he a mama's boy? Yeah. You'd be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't, at the number of people who don't recognize the signs of what that really is about. Um, The woman that I told you that I met with last week who was still living at home, that would be an example, whose uh, whose boyfriend was living at home, that would be an example of, I I don't mean that if they're living at home temporarily, they're not automatically a mama's boy, but in this particular case, it it was the case because he couldn't make a decision without checking with her first. Um, A man who hasn't pulled away from his mother and created his own life and has to placate her or take care of her in a way that's um, putting her needs above his own or his potential future wife's or girlfriend's even that's, that's where the, that's where the red flag goes up because it's perfectly normal to take care of your family and to still be attached to your family, but it's not normal to have it get in the way of your moving forward in your own career and in your own relationship you need to pull away from them and move on to your other new priority, which is the new woman in your life. I mean, I laugh right now just thinking about my son who's in a relationship and I've already lost him. It's like a big joke in our family. Like, well, I'm, I'm not such a big deal anymore. You know, now it's all about, mm, you know, his girlfriend and that's exactly as it should be. And is it hard? Absolutely. Of course it is. You're used to being connected for X amount of years and you're, you know, the sun shines and sets and sun shines and sets on you. And then along comes a, a woman to replace it and replace you in that sense. And it's, it's hard, but it is absolutely healthy and normal and good. So that's ultimately what you want is that break to have occurred. Um, and, and when you overlook it, you're basically setting yourself up for a lifetime of, of, of conflict where you're feeling more in competition with the mother when in fact you should, you should come before her. Ah, so that's, those are two big ones that um, I come across the most. So those are the two that I'm going to, um, those are the two I wanted to focus on for, for women. For, and remember, I'm going to come back to some of these things when I get to both, when I lump them together and put men and women together. But now for the guys, guys, there's really only one thing you need to find out <laughs> when it comes to red flag, when it comes to red flags in the dating stage. And that is, is your gal a feminist? That's it. Now, that, of course, encompasses a lot. So it sounds simple, not simple. I mean, it sounds like not a lot, just one thing. But that one thing is enormous. There's so much to that umbrella term and keep in mind that not a lot of people use that term. So you could, as a young man, think, well, I don't think she is. We don't ever talk about that subject, right? So I don't know. But there are clear signs as to whether or not you're dealing with a feminist-minded woman, young woman, who's sort of bought the Kool-Aid hook, line, and sinker versus an actual traditional feminine, free-thinking, family-oriented woman who 
is not bothered by that, um, by those cultural narratives and just eschews them. Okay. There's a, there's a big difference. So we're going to go through some of those. The number one thing is her attitude. You will see it in her attitude, specifically toward men and marriage. What is, what, how does she talk about men? And how does she talk about marriage? And this could come from certainly her own upbringing and her takeaway from that, or it might come from the culture, but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. The reality is, what is her attitude? Is she down on marriage? And does she typically have a knee-jerk response that it's a man's fault when things go wrong? You'll know this. This is very obvious. You're going to be discussing relationships. It might come up, you know, you see something in the media and then she might comment on something. Um, There's a thousand different ways if you pay attention to whether or not she has drunk the Kool-Aid or not. So yeah, her attitude toward men and marriage, specifically, what is her view of marriage as as an institution, right? Is it something that is permanent? Is it something that is um, viewed as coming together as one for the, for the family unit, or is it more like just two people sharing space, you know, and you'll know that too, by her willingness to, for example, shack up, right? If she's openly doing that or talking about that as a normal thing, that gives you sort of a hint into her mindset versus the woman who wouldn't do that. That's going to tell you something. It's a mindset. It's an attitude about marriage. It's a statement. You're really making a statement whenever um, you're giving your opinions about these things and you need to hear that and pay attention to that. Um, Okay. So that's one example. Another is her priorities. Is this a woman whose whole life is going to be focused on her career or in other words, is she a career woman or is she a woman with a career? If you listen to my conversations with Andre's with Andre parody, um, Earlier in the year, you probably heard him use that phrase, and I thought that was kind of brilliant. And basically what it means is, is this a woman who's who's mapping out her life based on this big career goal where that is going to be the focus of her life, and maybe we'll have a kid or two somewhere along the way? Or are you marrying somebody who is very family-focused, very family-oriented, and yeah, she may have a career. She probably will. Most people do today. But it's tangential or it's, or it's, um, it's on the outskirts, you know, uh, uh, around the core, the core value and the core priority. And so matching that up with yours, um, is going to be crucial. And so what her priorities are now, if you happen to, again, it's all about matching. If you happen to want a situation where your wife is devoted to her career. And I can't imagine why most young men would, because then you're going to come second. Um, Then have at it. Uh, Maybe that doesn't bother you, but chances are it will. So you want to hone in on what those plans are for the future with respect to her priorities. Is she able to make sacrifices Um, or does it have to be her way or the highway? Okay, so that's sort of an entitled mentality that that feminism has certainly fostered in young women today. So in other words, there's the sacrificial type woman who's happy to, you know, not necessarily have her needs met on that particular moment, um, but some versus someone who has to has to always have it met. 
and is not willing to compromise. That's another big sign that she's um, drunk the Kool-Aid. And that is not going to serve you well, for sure, when you're married to her, if you're married to her. Is she warm and kind, gentle, sweet, or is she insecure and catty? Is she gossipy? Uh, does she talk about people a lot? Does she, um, de- is she demanding? I mean, these are all things that, you know, no one's allowed to talk about this with respect to women because women can do no wrong, right? Women are off the hook all the time. In fact, next week, I'm going to, no, not next week, sorry. Uh, can't remember the date, but coming up, I'm going to have a whole podcast episode with a guest on this very topic that it's free reign to talk about men and what they're supposed to quote unquote do for women or do in a relationship. But it's absolutely taboo for anyone to talk about women and what they're supposed to do in a relationship and what their responsibilities are. But then how does that help men, right? We need to be able to talk about these things. Okay. Um, Money. How does she handle money? Um, This is another uh, potential Kool-Aid moment because if she... And again, it's going to be hard when you're dating because you're not, you haven't combined finances yet, but there are signs. There are signs. Um, how do you handle it when you're, when you're out on a date, right? Does she want to split everything down the line or does she let you pay? And what kind of conversations occur about money when you are dating? You'll get, you'll get the, you'll get the, um, you can get the gist of her mindset about money. Is it yours and mine? Everything should be separate. Um, or is it, um, traditional in terms of um, the man taking care of the woman or does she let you be chivalrous? What's her response to your chivalry? Um, is it, no, thanks. I can take care of myself. Or is it just simply, thank you. Appreciate that. These are the little signs that you're going to pick up on as to what her mindset is. Okay. So that's it for the guys. It's basically, are you dealing with a feminist minded woman who has drunk the Kool-Aid over the last 30 years about male female roles. And does she have a negative view of marriage? Does she have a knee jerk reaction to men being always the ones who are to blame for things, that kind of thing. Or is she kind, gentle, open, sincere, um, willing to compromise? Does she listen to you? Those are two different kinds of people altogether. And, and one has been sold a bill of goods likely and or she's reacting to whatever she saw in her upbringing and using that as a um, shield if you were to not get hurt but whatever the reason is that's not going to serve you well these are red flags these are huge ass red flags you want the other kind of woman that's the kind of woman that you need to find and i can hear a lot of young men saying well what do you do if you can't find them Mm? i don't know you don't you, you don't marry them don't compromise. Men do not compromise. Just like we tell women, don't settle. Men, then say it to men, men don't settle. Okay. Um, these next few are for both, both men and women. First and foremost, do you share the same values and priorities? Do you share the same values and priorities, which I touched upon earlier um, for the guys, for the, for the gals, but this goes both ways as well. What is it 
that you want? Where do you, where do you, what do you see your life looking like? What do you want, want your day-to-day life to look like? What is the structure of your family? The work and family conversation from, from my end as a coach to me is probably the number one thing that gets completely overlooked during the dating stage, which I find fascinating. Um, because when you consider the amount of attention that we spend on this topic, you would think it would come up, but it doesn't really come up directly. And I think part of that is because both men and women are living very similar lives prior to marriage, right? They're both working. They're both go to school. They both work. Their lives are very parallel and they don't see a lot of differences at that stage. But all of that is going to change once you get married and have or specifically once you have kids, not so much just the marriage, but post kids. So if you're planning on having a family, everything that you're doing now pre-marriage is not, they don't even match those lives. So you have to know in advance what you want it to look like five years down the road and for the rest of your life or for 20 years when you have kids at home or whatever the case may be. And then you make decisions and plan accordingly based on that. So you have to have the conversation about who's going to work, who's going to stay home, whose career is going to take precedence. So once again, I'm just going to use myself as an example because it's the best, it's the easiest way to do this. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I, I knew what I wanted. My husband agreed. He wasn't my husband yet, but he agreed. We both wanted the same things. Therefore, it has never been a question that his career would always take precedence. So what ended up, what ended up happening as a result of agreeing on that is that we're about to be empty nesters, if you don't know. So we're moving into another phase. But for the last 23 years, there's never been conflict with respect to the, the work family, childcare slash breadwinning, who's going to do what and who's going to take care of whom and who's going to show up to the school and all of that stuff. Like it's just a non-issue and it always has been because when push comes to shove, his work took precedence. And of course, I didn't work for a number of years or whatever I did do, I did in piecemeal fashion. Um, so, so, and I hadn't, didn't have a boss. So I was on my own as an entrepreneur. However, all I'm, I mean, it's still this way today. And I've been working pretty much full time for the last two years. It's still a given that his is the paycheck that comes in every two weeks. So anything that needs to get done that he can't show up for, I take care of, even though I quote unquote work. So you have to have this in place because otherwise you're going to end up constant in constant conflict discussing. And you can see this in the news because you hear it and you read it in the magazines and you can see it in the newspaper articles. Who's going to do what and who's working harder in which domain and uh, all these marital problems. People are getting divorced over this because they didn't map out in advance or discuss who's going to do what prior to getting married. It's just like this assumption that the way you were living your life pre-marriage was going to look just like that even after the kids come, which is crazy talk. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, but again, I, I know I sound sort of angry and I'm really not angry at young people. I'm actually angry that my generation, the people above me, didn't pass this on so that they know to talk about this because they're the ones who gave the wrong impression about, or I shouldn't say gave the wrong impression, who it's, it's like a sin of omission. They're not telling you what they know to be true because it's not PC to talk about the fact that, hey, guess what? Nine out of nine times out of 10, it's the woman who chooses to cut back on her career and stay home for X amount of years or at least pull back, work part time. So what sense does it make for a man to follow a woman's career path? 
That is totally taboo to say today, but it's what happens in the vast majority of cases. So there's a way to prepare for that in advance, knowing that that's probably going to happen if you just allow yourself to talk about unpopular things. So what your values and priorities are and what you want your life to look like on a day-by-day basis when it comes to work and family has to match. If you don't have that conversation, you're likely going to wind up in a pickle down the line. Geography. Where do you want to live? That can be a really big issue. It was for me in my first marriage, so it doesn't always happen for people, but I don't think I hear a lot about it. So I think it's worthy of spending a few minutes. You know, once upon a time, people pretty much stayed in in their own vicinity where they grew up. That was pretty common. It's probably still common for most people, but because we're such a transient society now, um, you have people who are starting lives in areas where they don't know anyone or they don't even like it, but their, their boyfriend or girlfriend does. And so they're just going along with it. It's really important that you figure out where you want to live in the end geographically, not just, you know, I'm not talking about warm versus hot. I'm talking about, um, really more like cultural values because the South and the Midwest, for example, very different from the West coast and the East coast. Um, And as you get older, being in a community of like-minded people is going to be huge, as is being near your families. So there's a lot of people who don't even think about that. And then they're in cities that they don't want to be in. And when they do have young children, they have no help because there's no, there's no family around to help them. And that's a big thing. It's certainly, um, it's a big thing. And so, yeah, geography can actually really hurt you if you are not on the same page. It certainly hurt, as I say, me in my first marriage in a big way to the point where, you know, the marriage didn't even work out. Not that that was the number one reason, but that was a huge part of it. Okay. And then this last one, this is a big one. Is he or she a product of divorce? Okay. Now I want to be really clear about this because I'm not telling people not to to marry, that that's a red flag that should mean you shouldn't marry somebody if they're a product of divorce. I married somebody who's a product of divorce. What I am saying is that I don't think there's any conversation about the reality of how that colors that, I don't want to say child, adult child's view of the world and all of the repercussions that come from having been a product of divorce if you haven't been. Um, it's just not a small thing. Um, I certainly didn't know what I know now. And fortunately for my husband and me, we have enough going for us that this was a small thing in the end, but it is, um, but it is a thing and it's not just us. I mean, I, I, I know from coaching that this is a big problem for a lot of people. I mean, the backgrounds that these people have, they're carrying this with them into their adult lives and into their relationships, and it will color it in a big, big way, and it will hurt it. I'm not sure what the answer is. Like I said, I'm not saying don't marry somebody as a product of, product of divorce at all. That's not my message. What I am saying is just be aware, be aware and have a conversation and, and just know that you're taking something on that may be very unfamiliar to you and will be a challenge, will be a challenge. And just know that as opposed to not knowing that. Um, And part of that has to do with the person being really honest about what he or she um, 
you know, how self-aware that person is. Let's put it that way. The self-awareness is just a huge piece. <laughs> so maybe we should just throw that in as a, as a red flag. If your spouse has, not spouse, sorry, if your boy or girlfriend lacks self-awareness and is unwilling to do the work or get help from, um, you know, somebody, you know, go, go to counseling, let's say. That's a big red flag. It, it really is. Um, that was another big thing with my first marriage, actually. Just the thought of, of any kind of counseling would would send him into, I don't know, apoplexy or something. I mean, it's just, if you, if somebody is not able to be self-reflective openly, uh, it's a big, it's a red flag. You're, there's just no way to go through life with a person who is unable to be self-reflective. It, I mean, you can, but you will suffer through it and be miserable. So I actually didn't have that on my list, but kind of just came, came up in the course of conversation. So, okay. Um, so those are those are a bunch of red flags that um, people are not paying too much attention to today that I wanted to mention. And also connect that with you determining what your non-negotiables are. You know, I always tell people when I'm working with, um, you know, I don't work a lot with single women. It's maybe 15%. Most of my people are, most of my coaching clients are either married or in, in a relationship and determining whether or not to get married or they're engaged or what have you. But I have had about, you know, 20% of singles. And I always tell them the same thing. It's it's not really knowing what you want so much as what you don't want. You know, because I mean, our list of wants as humans can be very long, longer for women than for men, unfortunately. But um, it's what what don't you want? Right? So, so for example, I knew that I always wanted a very traditional family life. And I wanted my husband home at six o'clock eating dinner. I wanted the family dinner thing. That was very important to me rather than having people coming and going and nobody's cooking and eating when they can. Like that was not an option. So I, I literally, when I was single, would never have even thought of marrying a doctor, for example. I mean, maybe a family doctor, but like a doctor, doctor who's gone all the time and who's never home and, and who gets called away. I could not cope with that. I could not. So I just wouldn't even go out with him the moment I found out he was a doctor. This didn't happen to me. I'm saying if it had, I wouldn't have. That for me is a non-negotiable. That may not be your non-negotiable, but that was an example of mine. And then my other non-negotiable was what I opened this whole segment with, which is marrying somebody with a purpose and a plan. Um, not someone who's still trying to figure it out because that that wouldn't have worked for me either. So those were my non-negotiables, but for you, it's going to be something else. But I think it's really a worthy exercise to write down, think about, and then write down what it is you absolutely cannot live with, what those non-negotiables are. Uh, maybe it's where you want to live, you know, maybe it's religion. Um, but anyway, just being more focused on what you don't want in a, in a mate is actually, I think, more helpful than figuring out what you do. So I call those the non-negotiables. Okay, and now for the email of the day. This is from Luke, who writes, Hi, Suzanne. What a relief. You discuss and express what men are thinking without blaming and attacking us. I'm an Australian farmer, 38 years old with two kids, son and a daughter. My wife is feminizing our son. She won't allow him to play football or come to the farm, etc. My wife and I decided we would have children and she would stay at home. Then she got resentful. I was working on weekends to provide for the family, threatening to leave, etc. Once the kids got to school, she wanted a bigger home. I explained that that would require her to work full time, 
which she agreed to, to upgrade to a home that she was pushing for. Now she's resentful of how much she works and the large burden on her to be both a mother and a full-time worker. Women want a lot of better homes and lifestyles, which is okay, but it all comes at a cost. This often involves the wife working to fund the extras she needs. I work 80 plus hours a week on our farm. My wife works 40 as a teacher, plus is the primary care, and she still tells me I'm not doing enough help. Okay. So that is a difficult situation, no question, because you certainly had the same priorities going in and then um, circumstances changed and your wife decides that she wants something that you can't provide without her working. Um, honestly, when this is really more a money question um, and a lifestyle thing, like you wrote. Um, the fact that she is resentful is normal. Right. Any woman who is going to be working full time and raising kids is not a happy person. They're just generally not. They're racked with guilt and stress and they're resentful of having to do so. And it's not good. Um, but when I'm more concerned about the last thing you said about wording, working 80 hours a week on our farm and then she still tells you you're not doing enough. At the end of the day, you need to sit down and have a heart to heart eyeball to eyeball conversation with no kids around, no technology around and get serious and say, Hey, here are the choices. This is what this provide. If you want this quote unquote lifestyle or bigger home or whatever the case may be, the trade-off is going to be, I'm not going to be here. You're literally going to be on your own and you'll be working and you'll be resentful because the only way to get what you want is for us both to be doing that. So the lifestyle is the trade-off for these things or the lifestyle that you want is, is the trade-off of that is that we will not have the home life that you want. So at the end of the day, you have to choose between a simpler life financially, but a calm one, a happy one, a together one, a close knit one, or I'm going to charge after these, these bigger things and take the hits for that. Um, if, if you go that route, but you can't have both, you, you just cannot have both. And that's where you need to get serious with her. You don't have to be nasty about it, but you just are very clear. There's no way to have both of these things. So you have to ultimately decide. And we have to decide actually what we want for our family. Does it look like this or does it look like this? Because essentially what you're saying, Luke, is that your wife is ask is wanting the impossible. She's wanting something that can't happen. And it's your job it seriously is your, it's going to have to be your job to tell her that that's not possible and that she has a choice to make. And then you make it together. I mean, that's really the only thing I can say, because if you don't step up to explain this to her, who is right. So, so that's what you're, that's what you're up against. Um, I would encourage you to get really, really, really clear and calm and basically give her a choice. Do you want this or do you want that? And that ends this hour of The Suzanne Banker Show. Don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook by typing in the Facebook search bar, The Suzanne Banker Show. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.